This is Echo Zoe Ministries, episode 128 for December 2018 with Andrew Rappaport and Fred Butler with a roundtable discussion. Welcome to Echo Zoe Radio, the podcast outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries, where you'll hear about important topics affecting the church today. Our primary goal is to explore a variety of issues while remaining faithful to God and His Word. Stay with us for the next hour as your host, Andy Olson, shares his conversation with this month's guest. Here's your host, Andy Olson. I'm Andy Olson. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. This is episode 128 for December 2018 with Andrew Rappaport and Fred Butler. Andrew and Fred are both return guests, and there's no formal topic for this month, uh, but rather we're having a roundtable discussion. Uh, the topic starters for the discussion are those topics that we've covered already in 2018 on the show. And it's a format that I haven't done before, but ended up really enjoying it in the end. I had a fun time, and I hope you do as well. Uh, show notes for the show are available. You'll get a basic outline of the discussion and some additional resources and other links, and you can find those at echozoe.com slash 128. And then also, just like last month, there's a video version of the show available. If you prefer to watch rather than listen, you can find that at the YouTube channel or at echozoe.com slash 128 as well. And in other ministry news, before we get started, I've continued working on a revised and updated version of the Lessons and Logic series, and I've posted new videos for that every week. Um, also nicely arranged in a play- playlist for easy viewing. If you go to the website, you can click on the link to the Echo Zoe Ministries YouTube channel, or you can view those and subscribe to the channel as well. Short three to five minute videos are intended to be a regular thing going forward, and I'll do as many logical fallacies as I can before I'll move on to other topics that can be covered in small doses as well. So please also consider subscribing to the channel as there should be new material well into the foreseeable future. And with that, here is my conversation with Andrew Rappaport and Fred Butler. Well, Andrew Rappaport and Fred Butler, a little bit different episode this month. Not something I've done before, but I want to thank both of you for coming on with me to do a show. You're welcome. The, Sorry Fred, for my for problems. <laughs> <laughs> Fred got yeah, us I, off to a late start. Andrew, oh man. Has, I feel I feel special. This is I'm like I I, I want to go back, but I, this is my third time on Echo Zoe. I'm 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 at least second time this there. year, right? Second time this year. So this is like I think I think. Well, actually, by the time this airs, this will be next year, right? But no, no, it, it's the December oh, okay, episode. So I'm going to pop it up. As soon as I can get it record or uh, edited and and done, it should hopefully be up. So in a I'm, few like, days. I'm like up there for the, like the most, you know, uh, most. What would it be the the guest who comes back the most? Uh, <laughs> most frequent <laughs> guest? Well, that most would be Ryan Hobbit by far. But but Ryan's local. He's a he's a friend. You're one of the but most. I'm getting up there. I'm getting up there. You're probably one of the most frequent as far as people I've never actually shaken hands with. I've never met in person. That's a I haven't thing. met you in person either. 
Yeah, and you're on. I'm this is your. Is this your third or fourth? We did King James. This will be my fourth time coming on. Here. Oh, there you go. You got him beat. Uh, I got to come back one more time. <laughs> <laughs> so I have never done this before. This is kind of a a common uh, format for for podcasters, but it's something I've never done before. We're just going to do a roundtable. We're just going to talk about whatever. And as a topic starter, I or starters plural. Um, I thought we could talk about some of the topics that we've covered on the show throughout 2018, but we're certainly can go anywhere with this. I'm not going to keep us down to one particular thing. If you want to go off on a tangent, let's tangent. Let's do it. <laughs> I hope that it's a good tangent. Though. It's not <laughs> something about, you know, Coca-Cola or something. I don't know. That might be interesting. Oh, uh, there you go. <laughs> well, I can give you an interesting Coca-Cola story, but we'll save that for a minute. Yeah, let's do it at the very end. Well, I'd like to keep it theological at least, but <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Right, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the Coca-Cola story when I'm in California. <laughs> <laughs> so my first up thing, and and I think I've got a great tie-in, at least with Fred, but but Andrew, you mentioned before we started that you had some input as well. The first episode I did of 2018 was with my friend Mark Huffman, who's was a missionary in Odessa, Ukraine for about 12 or 13 years. But now he's with an organization out of Colorado Springs called Entrust. And he kind of more oversees other missionaries throughout the world. And so we talked about missions and, and whatnot. And the tie-in with Fred was that, Fred, you wrote an article, was that a, a few weeks ago, a month ago? Yeah, I, I wrote that. I, I wrote something similar to that uh, few years ago it's like right after the strange fire conference oh, okay in fact, i think i was tasked to write that for grace to use website okay but and, it popped uh, up on the blog i needed to find something to write and fill some space and sure. I think, well you know i just I, i've been mining a lot of my old stuff and putting it on bigger platforms people can read it but um mm -hmm. I think David Platt had made some kind of comment at his, at this SBC, what the, at the SBC convention this past June, I think it, when it was. Okay. And he was saying how, you know, these, how missions is going out to all the Muslims. And he tells these stories about these Muslims getting uh, dreams. Usually it's dreams about some vague man in white, some figure that tells them to go and speak to a missionary or something like that. And they'll tell you the truth. And so it just yeah, so and happens that's... the next day, you know, here comes the missionary. It's, and they, you know, allegedly become Christians. That's mm -hmm. the gist of the story anyway. Well, that's the tie in your article was called the man in white appearing in Muslim dreams. Right. Right. And that was something Mark talked about. And he's been doing a lot of work in like Kurdistan and, um, uh, Iraq, Turkey, um, and some other Muslim areas that he won't name, but um, he he has these stories about these people who are having dreams of Jesus, or visitations in dreams from Jesus, that are leading them to Christianity. And you know, Mark's got pretty strong theology, so he said even even him himself, he said, you know, I'm read listen to it, and we're all you know, pretty reformed and yeah, those of the three of us here. And, and of course, having worked with strange fire conference and stuff, Fred, you're, right, right. you're going to take that with a total grain of salt. Mark's story, it wasn't 
quite what you hear from charismatics. And Mark said, um, it'll stretch your theology. I remember him saying that it'll stretch your theology. But there was an interesting pattern to what, to all the stories that he had always come across of these dreams. It wasn't just that Muslims were, were having dreams because they couldn't get Bibles or there was no access to missionaries. There was you know, no other access to the gospel. That seems to be the charismatic line is mm-hmm. there's no other way for them to get the gospel. So Jesus has to cut through and just and go visit people in dreams. Mark's stories, it was a consistent pattern, three steps. And the first one is these Muslims are displaced. They're, uh, well, they're, they're in uh, ISIS-controlled areas or what was used to be ISIS-controlled. Right, I think right. they're pretty much gone now. But um, they're, they're displaced and they're looking around saying, hey, these are fellow Muslims that have kicked me out of my home and ruined my life. And, and how can Allah allow that? Why, you know, we're, we're on the same team, aren't we? So that's the first uh, first step that causes them to to start asking questions and seeking the truth, right? And then the right. second step is is really the big one is someone gives them a Bible. Somehow they get a Bible, so they have access to the truth. They have the gospel, pure gospel, not filtered through a missionary. It's just the Bible, and and it comes different ways. Sometimes a stranger will walk up and just say, "God told me to give this to you." Now, you know, that kind of rings a bell in, in our minds, you know, like, okay, God, okay, whatever. So, okay, God told you that, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, they're getting a Bible and then it, it's the third step where they're getting the dream. And that's after they've read their Bible, then they start having these dreams of, of either Jesus or some Jesus like figure. And that ultimately that then they they end up becoming Christians, not necessarily because of the dream. It's not the dream isn't isn't giving them the gospel. The God, the dreams just kind of confirming the gospel that they've already been reading in their Bible. You know, see, to me, I would probably be more willing to accept something like that than what you normally hear in these stories, because usually the stories that are uh, conveyed, at least here in the West, is that here you have these Muslims; they had no access to missionaries and it's like kind of what you laid out is God cuts through all of the, you know, the oppression and the, uh, you know, just the way they uh, reject the missionaries and reject Christianity. And he, uh, you know, gives them a dream and they start searching around for a missionary because there they have their dreams are going to be, they're energized, I guess you could say, from truth that they already have. They've been mm-hmm. reading the scriptures. They've been considering, is this for real about Jesus? And could the Holy Spirit maybe, you know, give some kind of prompting and as it's drawing them to Christ? Well, yeah, I guess you, they, you could say that. Um, what I'm trying to get a, get a, um, or kind of sort of orient our thinking to to think right about is, the gospel is what God has ordained in scripture to be the means or the mechanism uh, that brings a person to salvation. It's the proclamation of the gospel by missionaries, by preachers. And, you know, I just think God is bigger than governments and, uh, you know, religions hostile to God Mm-hmm. They will, uh, you know, he can send a missionary. And I've heard stories of people who have been in Saudi Arabia, 
Um, in fact, um, I might have even mentioned this on Twitter when I was kind of going back with and forth with some folks is uh, there was a fella that I think contacted our ministry just saying how he was from, if I remember correctly, he was from India. He lived in Dubai or somewhere in Saudi Arabia at the time. And a missionary on the street came to him, gave him the gospel, and he got saved in Saudi Arabia, which is one of the more hostile countries that you mm-hmm. have towards Christianity. And so, you know, God can do those things without trying to circumvent the normal means he has ordained for people to uh, pre- preach and proclaim the gospel. That was sort of my concern. Yeah. Uh, well, it's definitely you know, his story. His pattern is different from what would have been discussed at strange fire. No, this yeah. is, not, so the, this the, is the, definitely not the typical charismatic line where that's the only means people have to hear the gospel. Right. Is, and I think a, a lot of people do not have that background where it's like, Hey, they had the Bible. <laughs> they mm-hmm. had already talked to missionaries. Perhaps they had perhaps even heard the gospel preached to them. And it's as they're kind of contemplating all of these things that perhaps, you know, in their dreams, something clicks or it, you know, causes them to what you're saying. Uh, it confirms what they're hearing or whatever. And then that's when they go back and say, Hey, I want to hear more about this truth that you've given me. Well, mm-hmm. there you've already have the means by which God has ordained the proclamation of the gospel. It's with the, you know, they're getting preacher the or some missionary who's talked to these people in, uh, individually. And then yep. later, like I had this dream last night and I need to hear more. You know, to me, that's a little different than, yeah. Someone all of a sudden cold turkey. I had a dream. I knew God told me to come to you. Yeah. Okay. You know, and it's a Jehovah Witness or something. I, I don't know. But Andrew. Anyhow. Well, you know, one of the things I think when we look at these things is you have to take a look at the individuals. Are they going, you know, in the wackadoo type of views? I mean, that's what we usually see in America, right? Mm-hmm. People that claim to have dreams or just off theologically off the rocker yeah and so there seems to be accounts of people that are having these dreams and visions in these muslim countries that seem to be solid believers afterwards they seem to be following in a biblical faith and so it it is hard for us look I, i can't exegete anyone's experience right and i can't say when people say what do you do with this I mean, one of the things, the most frustrating things, and I'm sure both of you have dealt with this, you get someone that you disagree with them on the continuation of gifts, and they suddenly start telling you about their experiences and say, what do you do about this? What do you do about this? And mm-hmm. I, I just say, I can't exegete your experience. This happened to me this week at, in church. We, we had a guy who's been coming out to my Bible study, and he asked me, and it's just, I, don't, I can't exegete your experience. I mean, well, this is, um, you, you had pointed out as we were getting ready and waiting for Fred to kind of figure out his computer. Um, we were talking about my lessons in logic series that I'm kind of redoing and putting together. And I don't think I posted it yet, but I've done the the video for argument from anecdote. This is totally an argument from anecdote. When you say yeah. this, what about this? You know, the general rule is X. Well, what about Y? That's not X. Well, okay. So, so let's, let's deal with it because here's the thing that a lot of people don't think about. Our memories, A, are fa- fail. As we get older, they fail even more. But so there's two things you have to keep in mind. One, your memory will fail over time and you're going to forget things. Second, it only takes a few minutes to interject a memory. 
and people don't realize this, but it is possible to interject a memory into someone's thinking. So what ends up happening, I think, in some of these cases is someone, like I know of one case where, where someone said, what do you do about this? This is what happened in my life. And I told someone this, and, and that's what happened. But the person forgot about it for several years and met the person again. And that person said, oh, you told me this, 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 and it's what happened. And I said, can you actually remember saying all that? Or was it only after they said those things that you remembered? And it was after they said it. And so mm-hmm. the reality is some of those things can be interjected into memories. And that can happen because some of the memories are true and some are the ones what someone else remembers and they get interjected. And I've had I've had that happen where you know you can have that. So so when we're people are saying, what do you do about this? There's a whole lot of things just outside of the spiritual realm. Now you get in the spiritual realm. Well, they're saying, well, this is of God. And my thing is, well, okay, you're telling me you have all these experiences, but I know Mormons that have those same experiences. Mm-hmm. How now do you explain those? Because now you're saying that the the experience is justifying the theology in, in the case of continuationism. Well, it, when you're giving the experience to justify the theology and the Mormons and the Catalini and these others and the occult all have the same experiences, how does that verify the theology? Now it doesn't. Right. So can it be demonic? Yeah, it absolutely can be because the occult does it, Mormonism does it, Catalini do it. So now you have to deal with the fact of how do you know within Christianity it's not? And some people say, well, it's they're solid believers. With these visions, the one thing that I look to is say, okay, are they following in solid gospel, solid theology? There seems to be cases where that seems to be. I don't think all the visions are true, though. I I find it a little bit hard to believe that there's that much. So the, the dream ends up being almost an anomaly at least in our minds, it's an anomaly in their overall salvation story for that person. They're otherwise yeah, sound the- theologically. They've got a, a a good testimony where they heard a solid gospel or read it in the scriptures themselves. It's not just something that comes out of left field from this weird atypical source, like a dream. Right, right. Well, here's here's the one key that I want. I always want to look to. How important is that vision or dream to them? I heard one gentleman's testimony and his focus was on Christ and the person was asking about the dream. And so he mentioned it, but he kept turning it back to Christ. I mean, that's very different than what we see in American when they, when everyone says, you know, they have a dream because all the focus is on the dream and it's not on Christ. And the dreamer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's an important thing. If, if all the focus is going back to Christ, well, that's what Paul had. Um, if all the focus is on self and and the dream, I'm going to have problems with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> Do you have another thought, Fred? Um, I'm just thinking about. Yeah, I, I, I think if I remember correctly, in my own experience before I came to know the Lord, and I was raised in the Bible Belt, so it wasn't like I didn't hear the gospel. I remember having dreams before I came to know the Lord. And a lot of them were kind of fearful things where it's like, um, I, in fact, I think one of them was connected to the 88 reasons why Christ will come. And <laughs> remember that terrible book well, and, hey, in, 80, uh, in 89, he had a new reason. And then, then he had to redo it and make it 
dying because he failed. But I remember that that book was like all the rage on my college campus among the Baptists, you know, that I were hanging around with. And having scary dreams, you know, that somehow I'd gotten left behind, you know, and, uh, you know, just some kind of, I think I had like maybe two or three dreams like that. And it didn't necessarily cause me to doubt my salvation because, I mean, I, I don't think I was saved yet. I think I was just mm-hmm. sort of a professing moralistic kid who had attended a, you know, a Bible-based home all his life and didn't really know any better, didn't really know the gospel. But, you know, would I say that those dreams were what kind of began to help cause me to question my salvation? Well, not necessarily. Um, but if I wanted to make some kind of a big thing, like, oh, man, God is really talking to me, and he was giving me all of these, you know, this revelation. I mean, I guess I could turn it into that and make it bigger than what it is. But, you know, a lot of that's probably just because of the hysteria and panic that that silly book was causing mm-hmm. in your psyche. You know what I mean? Well, so, isn't ultimately then, like, what's going on is that whatever's happening wherever that dream is coming from whether it's your inner psyche or right or right. whatever it is a, a demon an angel god whoever whatever regardless of the of the actual source it's it's something that he's providentially using to till the soil right it so that once well you are be. saved you you look back on it and say well that was an interesting experience but it didn't lead to your salvation yeah, I think it's more, I've had a lot of experiences where I've had, uh, you know, uncanny works of providence that, you know, you don't recognize it until after all, everything kind of comes together and you see it and you're like, wow, uh, you know, this person was here at this place and we were over here at this time and, you know, just isn't God good. I mean, you, uh, I remember going to uh, see, I think it was the Smithsonian exhibit that was going around and it was in Los Angeles. And I had a friend of mine that wanted to go see it really bad. He was in, he's from Australia and that's getting down there. And we walked in the back way into the LA civic center, which I don't know how we even got into there. <laughs> and we're just, we're milling around kind of in this lobby and the lady is like, Oh, well, this is the will call. You should already have tickets available. Do you have a name? And we're like, oh, well, where is the line for they buy the tickets? Oh, it's over there. And we kind of look across the, you know, the yard there and there's a million people walking you know, down the sidewalk and, oh, and we're not going to be able to get in. And right at that moment, this lady said, hey, I have three tickets. I'll give to you guys for $10. Anybody want to buy them? And, you know, yeah, I mean, it was. <laughs> came out of nowhere we were so grateful that i mean and that's you know obviously that's just god's kindness and you know my Mm -hmm. friend was not going to be able to see this if we didn't get to see it this time he was leaving or whatever it was and so i mean you have these events that happen all the time and and it's not to say that god is not doing those things and we give him praise when he does it's just you know it's when they blow them up bigger than what they really truly are and it's kind of like what Andrew is saying, where the focus is on the dream or the receiver of the dream rather than the actual message of what's being preached and proclaimed and so forth. And is it Christ that is the central aspect of all that? Not, you know, oh, I got this dream and God's talking to me, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my main concern, I think, when I wrote that article. 
Yeah, and that was my biggest takeaway from that episode too. Was it was it was such a, a kind of a curveball. Yeah, you know. Yeah, didn't we have we when we were talking about this in DMs? I think I even told you that I, I you know, I I'm not you know necessarily opposed to people telling stories about seeing angels or having mm-hmm. those kind of encounters because I think those things happen. And uh, you know, I know people have had similar, I mean, particularly at death. You know, when people <laughs> see angelic beings in the room what was that <laughs> what's that yeah <laughs> it's a mazeltov what was that oh did, did, was there like a was that someone it sounded like somebody house? dropped a plate or something it probably my kids are making spaghetti i think uh. <laughs> sorry about that if i was back in my bedroom we wouldn't have this problem so <laughs> if you can get your technology to work want to work you know uh, what am i doing Anyway. But I mean, really, this and th- and this kind of gets into what you dealt with on your second episode with, with Costi is mm-hmm. the whole charismatic movement really started with emotionalism, and mm-hmm. you know he was he was bringing up some of the extreme stuff where, and I forget the guy's name, where the guy would kick children to get oh, Smith Wibblesworth, yeah, that guy's that guy was a wacko, or Todd Bentley. Tom well, that's Bentley where he said Tom Bentley gets it from. Is, yep. is oh, okay. I think it was worth or whatever his name is, and and, and this yep. guy, this guy would like kick children, um, you know. And but it's when, when you're looking for the experience, but it wasn't yeah. just kicking children. It was like a Holy Spirit kick, right? Oh yeah, you know. But the thing is that when 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 people are seeking an experience, and the experience is the high that they're looking for, it gives them the euphoria. Then the next week, you have to outdo that. Mm-hmm. Because it becomes you become desensitized to last thing, right. and and this is why these people who aren't satisfied with Christ are constantly looking for. I mean, oh, let me let me uh, you know fly in on a on a wire to the congregation as a pastor and the the cra- that crazy nonsense because they keep having to outdo the last experience because it's about the experience and not Christ, and it's it really shows that either they don't know Christ or they're just not satisfied with Christ. But to me, there is enough in scripture that we can study about Christ and never come to an end of being in awe of him and being amazed. Absolutely. I don't need to look for an experience for that. I can look to Christ. Mm -hmm. And I have an experience when I actually like read, you know, you get in the word and there's something that, clicks with a passage that perhaps you've read dozens of times before mm. and all of a sudden you really understand it and you understand the context and i mean it comes alive for you and and you know i like i've been going through the book of second timothy with my volunteers at work and we're coming down to the end and you know just as i've read that book over and over and over and over again now for the last year and a half when i've had the opportunity to teach it's just it's it, it's amazing how you you know my Faith is just strengthened as I've been reading that book because it's Second Timothy. I mean, you don't think about Second Timothy being this heavy-duty book or whatever. Right. It's just four chapters. But you know, now that you understand the context, what Paul's arguing, the practicality of what he's talking about with people who want to gather together, you know, teachers that you know hoard teachers that basically tell them what they want to hear and i mean you, you kind of see that playing out in the day's world and you go wow that's you you understand how god's word is still active and you know working in that way and and is timeless 
Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a wonderful experience. I mean, I'm not speaking in tongues, (laughs) having God tell me anything unique other than what's written in his word, second Timothy. But you're, you're not looking to the experience as the thing. Right. I'm looking to, I want to just know God's word so I can understand it right and give it to other people correctly and, and uh, teach it correctly, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you mentioned about like having that light bulb moment where, where things just click. I, I taught Bible study uh, this week, Friday night on, we're in Genesis chapter three and question, okay, why did God put a tree in the middle of the garden? Why do he make these rules? If he, if he, if he didn't do that, would man have never sinned? And I actually went to Romans nine to explain, you know, God did this so he'd be glorified and he wanted to display attributes that wouldn't be displayed without sin. And it really clicked for several of the people. There were people in that said they it suddenly clicked. They suddenly understood something. And this kind of gets sudden. Then when Andy, you had Captain America on, um, <laughs> Chris Arnold. Yeah. Okay, well he is Captain America. Is he not? I mean, he dresses that way. So let's just be real. He's Captain America. Um, well, he is. You know, us, had, yeah. Yeah. When you had Chris Arnold on from uh, Voice of Reason Radio, he talked. You guys talked about this cage stage of Calvinism. Mm-hmm. And I think what it is, and this is what I said to the Bible study Friday night, is what you end up having is people that they get that aha moment on something. And for many, it's the Calvinism. They get that aha moment of Calvinism. Everything clicks. And they stop looking for that aha moment in Scripture. And everything now points back to Calvinism. Yep. And so that's where they get in that cage stage. Where that be, I, I had a guy in my church years ago that, it was end times. He had a different view of end times, but everything went back to end times. You could be discussing marriage and it's going back to, it's going to end times because to him, that was his aha moment. And he stopped trying mm-hmm. to get to learn more. I think I've gone through thing. both of those myself because I was saved through the eschatology. <laughs> so yeah. for the first you know, four or five years, everything was eschatology for me. That was my focus. That's what I, and, and the people that I followed, didn't matter what book of the Bible you were listening to them talk about, they were working their way through this book or that book. It always went back to eschatology. And, but then becoming a Calvinist, yep, we all go through that phase, definitely. <laughs> But see, we need to do like what Fred was just saying, have many of those aha moments. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a constant thing of throwing ourselves into scripture and not being satisfied with what we've already been taught about God's word and, and wanting to know more. Well, I think that's wanting- kind of, as for me as a layman, that's kind of the joy of, of reading through scriptures that like, you know, Fred's talking about reading something that you've read a dozen times before, but reading through it again, like that you haven't read. And because now you've got new experiences and you've got, you've maybe built up a stronger theology in, in, in a certain area. And so having that built up, that's where you get kind of those, some of those aha moments is, is you're like, okay, I've got, I've got, I'm, I'm older, I'm more mature. And so I can see this through maybe a, a more brightly colored lens. Well, it's also, I would say, you know, I mean, actually, this is working well in conversation through your episodes this year because mm-hmm. your next two episodes was me on systematic theology and then Nate Pickowitz on on Sola Christos, but that was really the Reformation, which had five solas, mm-hmm. and that really is the thing when you're when you're studying through theology and you have a firm foundation 
of your theology, that's going to ground you a little bit better from saying, Oh, I got to go here. I got to go here. I got to go there. This, everything's got to be focused on this one thing. you know, either of those two become a problem where when you have that solid foundation, you can take what you're studying and it fits in. Right. Yeah. And, and I should mention that that's all providential. I mean, I don't set out, sit down and, and lay out what's the next year's worth of podcast going to be. And how am I going to get this person to come in at that time? And, and, uh, but that's part of the joy of it is, is seeing providentially how some of those things work out and things tie together that you, you weren't planned. And at least they weren't planned on my part. Well, you really haven't been doing this for very long. <laughs> 10 years. Yeah. Nah, not that long. <laughs> oh, who just dinged? Was that me or was that somebody dinged? What is it? Oh, that was, wasn't me. me. I better mute that. Ding dong. Jehovah's Witnesses. Ding. Dong Mormons Christian are you ready to defend the faith when false religions ring your doorbell do you know what your Muslim and Jewish friends believe you will if you get Andrew Rappaport's book what do they believe when we witness to people we need to present the truth but it is very wise to know what they believe and you will get Andrew Rappaport's book at what do they believe.com Welcome back, guys, after having some um, crazy audio issues and uh, I'm freaking out because I couldn't figure out why I could not hear you guys. You could hear me just fine, but I couldn't hear you. And uh, so we had an unintentional break, but we are back. (laughs) And we were, I I don't know, we were talking about um, the provenance of uh, podcast episodes, I think, with systematic theology with you well, we we're talking about your 10 years of experience in podcasting actually yeah, before. Which apparently isn't worth much because Wait, um, shows the providence <laughs> <laughs> yeah what is this episode i i even i don't i didn't look i'm at like what one 130 or 129 or something like that I can't. Remember. I, I, if I go try to look, I'll screw something else up. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I can look because I was just, I had them all. See, you've been putting me to shame today, Andrew, because I just went back and looked at my show notes to get ready for, for, to talk. And you actually listened to all, did you listen to all 11? You even did like, yeah, the, yeah I went through like the I anniversary episode, which is like, there's no point in talking about that one. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't. That was the one that I skipped. Okay. So you got 10. Um, Still more. That's pretty, that's dedication. Hey, you asked me to do I just it. read the show notes. That's all I did. Like you asked me to. <laughs> I, I guess you don't have, all right, let me see. You don't have the numbers in there, but. Well, if you go like echozoid.com slash. Say is echozoe.com slash say one twenty eight. What episode is that? All right. Oh, I'd have to go out to Echo Zoe. You now you have a lot of editing to do. <laughs> no, this is this is round table. We can have some some off topic discussion. I will say that Andrew is doing a phenomenal job transitioning in our conversations to all of your stuff on your little show notes that you sent to us. He makes it just smooth and easy. It's just like what Crossy Hen said. And you're well, I think, well, <laughs> they, yeah, cause he did a better job than the host and, and preparing. And, uh, <laughs> and even though I've got 10 years, I th- you've probably got more episodes than I do by now. Don't you? I mean, you're doing these yeah. little like three minute things. You can probably go up to like what a thousand episodes I'm, now. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. Well, I'm over two hundred and fifty episodes. <laughs> yep. So yeah. Wow. 
Your show is a great one to binge. You and five minute five minutes in church history. With well, actually, okay. Oh, so, oh yeah, yeah, that's a good. So that's a good you know, I think I, I think I gave bro- breaking news the last time I was on that my daughter was going to get married. So I'll give you some breaking news again. Um, the we're going to be actually splitting my rap report podcast into two, the mm-hmm. rap report daily and rap report. So that we'll do a, the weekly will be on the rap report. So you'll get that hour long one. Mm-hmm. Rap report daily will be just Monday through Friday, the two minute. So you can binge on that. And what usually on Saturdays, what I do is if I do a series during the week, I wrap them up and do a wrap up on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that I'll put onto the rap report. So there may be times where there's two episodes, an, a one hour version and 10 minute version on the rap report. And then the dailies are just going to be dailies. So you can binge on them all, all you want. Well, those short ones are great binge shows. Like I said, you, and, and, uh, this isn't the time of year for it, but, but, um, in the summer when I mow the lawn, I like to load up these good short, you know, five minute shows, five minutes in church history is a good one. And when I mow the lawn, I just listen to like 10 of them all at once. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy those. There's there's um, a couple of short ones that you get, um, and the, you know, I'm just trying to look through. It's too bad you don't it, have a graphic for that. We got your book here on one side, and we've got the ministry on the other side. But. I can I can change that in a minute if you want. <laughs> uh, um, but there there when you the dailies, you know, if you are interested in Mormonism, there's a short 15 minute about 15 minute one called uh, viewpoint on Mormonism. That's pretty short. The one I, I, I do enjoy, it's called five minutes of truth with Danny, uh, Danny Parvis. And it's usually like six to eight minutes long. So I, I love the title. It's five minutes of truth and it's never five minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, he, he has some good stuff You know, on, on some of the shorter ones. Answer in Genesis has a one minute long one. Um, there's a new one that and I'm not sure if I, I, I don't, I don't know that I agree with his view on uh, evangelism, but there is a, a pretty decent uh, podcast that's short. Um, and it's called the practical Christian podcast. It's usually like seven to eight minutes long. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I, it, the, the only thing is I've heard him say like for evangelism, invite someone to church. That's I, being an evangelist. That's not evangelism, <laughs> but so if you go to a good church, at least they'll hear the gospel. It might not be the best way to do it, but at least they'll hear the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if I mentioned, well, I think I did bring up the the lessons in logic. That's kind of my, my latest thing is I'm trying to put together short little like three to five minute videos on, uh, right now it's going to be logical fallacies. I'm just going through old material that was in my lessons in logic series. And I'll you do should a, have like animations like uh, Gabe Hughes does with his. Well, yeah, Gabe gets a little too fancy. I'm not fancy like him. I just like get that green screen back there and like turn it into a PowerPoint how's, slide. How's that? Is that better for you? You like oh, this yeah, better? Yeah. That's like ten years old. You have a more <laughs> recent picture. Is that like like where you? No, uh, actually, actually, that's not. That's that picture is only uh, I think three years old, four years oh. old. It looks yeah, heavily photoshopped. Did you use Photoshop or something? <laughs> um, <laughs> Actually, no. The gray seems to be stress related. I I get a, if you look, I get this streak. I look like a skunk, right? <laughs> um, it comes and goes. 
I don't, I don't, people accuse me of dyeing my hair because it'll be gone at times, but no, I don't, I don't do that. I, uh, it's just, I think it's stress related. I had had a little bit of stress. There's a thing called a wedding that I was (laughs) helping plan and then pay for. (laughs) Now we're really off topic. Mm Mm-hmm. We're, 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 way, we're way back talking about uh, the five solos and systematic theology. Yeah, we're, we're on the five solos before we talk about Yom before, Kippur. Before my computer exploded and we had to like. Yeah, the Yom Kippur episode was really good because I agree with Brian's sort of take that the feasts of, the, you know, Israel's feasts were definitely, you know, I think there's some prophetic significance to those. Whereas you have the spring feasts were connected to Christ's first, you know, coming. first coming and his events and that sort of thing. And the second group of uh, feasts that are going to be coming around and like three of them or so, if I remember correctly. Yeah. The fall um, feasts were the fall feasts. I mean, <clears throat> I remember having a free will Baptist preacher when I was growing up insist that Christ's second coming will happen in, uh, in October, in the fall of the year, because he believed that those, feast had some kind of prophetic significance which i they very well could as it pertains to israel and to you know god's timetable with them and them mm-hmm. coming back to you know him working his out his plans and they all fit together quite well and that seems to be what in daniel's vision you know in daniel 9 he kind of mentions about you know wrapping this all up and you know bringing a completion of these things and atone for sin well okay atone in what way well that's when christ comes back and you know deals with israel and they believe upon him and you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying it's just uh that was i really liked that episode that was a good one you know that was a thing when i was in seminary i've i frustrated many of my teachers my professors um one of the things i i just i had trouble with mostly because of my jewish background was why did christ come on Passover and not Yom Kippur. And I would, I asked every one of my seminary professors this question because it was one that I really struggled with. I mean, why was he crucified on Passover? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas atonement was specifically making atonement for the nation. Yeah. I'm thinking the, the, the cross is the atonement. That is the atonement. Why is it not? Why don't we see this? At, you know, and so it was something that was really frustrated me. And it was for not till many years after seminary, I heard someone basically teaching through the fe- the feasts. And in teaching through the feasts, he pointed out all these significant events, much like Ryan did, all these significant events that happened in Christ's life on a feast day. And mm-hmm. it it got me thinking. Could Christ and Fred, it's sort of what you just said. Could Christ choose, you know, when he comes back, may it be that he comes back on Yom Kippur? We don't know what year, obviously, but, you know, the the point being is, could that be the thing that he's going to come back on Yom Kippur and then that would fulfill it? But he fulfilled four of the seven feasts, I think it was, and there's three more. and depending on your end times view, there could be three more major events. And so 
it, it, it was very interesting to see. And, and he's, he's only the second person that I've ever heard speak about it that way on, on something that I've always kind of struggled with myself. So I was, yeah, I really if I remember that. right. You had reached out to me kind of privately shortly after I posted that, that, because I remember you now sharing your experience and how that answered long time questions that you'd had. And, and uh, so I had, I had appreciated that Ryan was able to do that. And I was also appreciative that you had uh, pointed that out. That was, that was a, a blessing to hear that. Well, his, the whole thing with like, I can't remember which, which order they are in His trumpets come before. Well, I think Yom Kippur comes first. That isn't that the, uh, the and then New there's year? tabernacles, which would mean that there's trumpets Christ, and tabernacles. Yeah. And the trumpets, you know, I'm not, I'm not I, I, I was trying to think chronologically with his second coming, obviously tabernacles is the idea that you're now with God mm-hmm. together to, you know, together there's fellowship. And what that would mean is Israel, I mean, God's dwelling, which I would say here on earth, they're with their Messiah, they're with their, with their God who is going to, you know, be with his people. And it's not just Israel, but it's, you know, everybody whom Christ is Christ's people. Um, The trumpets, I wasn't, I wasn't, I was trying to think of where that would come in, fit in, if that's just sort of a, a feast that deals with the announcement or the arrival of you know, Israel's true Messiah or what exactly, how that exactly would fit in. But I mean, I, I've been researching for some time, just off and on my personal studies, just whole Ezekiel's temple vision and uh, just its whole, uh, just all that it entails. I'm not, I I just, the whole all millennial post-millennial view that this is somehow some kind of elaborate you know, vision or typology of the church or whatever. I just, I'm not buying that. That's, there's something to that vision. That's, it's a, it's a real place that's going to really exist. And a lot of the imagery is found, you know, it talks about the making atonement and all these things. Well, that's not atonement and what we're thinking about with him dying for sin as it is, you know, cleaning the place, cleansing it, and God coming to dwell with his people. Mm-hmm. And it's more of a, of an issue with the, you know, God being holy. I've made you holy. Now come and be in my presence kind of thing. And uh, yeah, that was, that was just, you know, that was, a, was one of my favorite episodes. I think that this past year that I remember listening to stir well, up you. all of those thoughts in my head, which I like when you stir up thoughts in my head and I can, ponder them you know over and over again now the the thing that i took away from that i thought was interesting just a little tidbit was when he pointed out that yom kippur is is the uh the feast where no one knows the day or the hour because it's it, it falls on a lunar calendar right so as it's approaching they know it's coming I mean, they, they just, they, they know the general time, but they just don't know specifically exactly when it's going to happen. And they have watchmen waiting for that first full moon of the year. And then they'll... I thought it was the first new moon of the year. Isn't that right? I can't remember. Yeah, I can't, I wasn't sure about that myself. I mean, I, I guess I didn't know. I mean, we just have, I mean, the rabbis would just tell us what it is. <laughs> So I never thought much of it. <laughs> yeah, it's in the show notes. I'll look it up quick. Um, 
I thought it was full moon because they're they're looking for it because they said that sometimes if the uh, I remember him saying that if the sky was um, overcast and they would have a special difficulty oh, yeah. finding it. Well, you know, with a new moon, you just don't even see the moon at all. So, right, right. Yeah, I had to go back and I can't remember if it was full moon or new moon or. But I know what you say. I thought that was a good point too. That he was kind of pointing out that he was that there is a something that's un you know there's something that's undetermined about that you just you know it's coming but you don't have any kind of day or hour exactly until it happens and then you oh there it is oh no you're oh, right you're right no, we Fred. know the day and we know the day and hour uh, Harold Camping said it a couple of times <laughs> oh Fred you were right it uh, according to my notes he he did say new moon once they saw the new moon heralding the first of the month but uh yeah, they wouldn't know that they they didn't have the uh the moon plotted out, the the cycles plotted out as well as we do in the 21st century. So they'd be looking for it. Is it here? Is there a sliver of moon left? Right. But uh, So that was the tidbit that I took away. I thought it was interesting, but that's that's one thing I enjoy about Ryan is I I never ask him to do a specific topic because he's always got interesting stuff and he's really he's kind of a walter kaiser like and he really likes walter kaiser in that and and um he's he's strong on the old testament that's one thing i love about ryan is uh it's easy to kind of let the old testament um fall by the wayside and but he doesn't do that he's he's really strong in tying that um to the consistency of of theology throughout scripture so he's not unhitched from the Old Testament like Andy Stanley is. <laughs> no. You know, okay, so so I've I've wanted to do this and, and Fred, you maybe you might be a good one to do this with, but I want to do a podcast on the rap report <clears throat> and go through every New Testament book. Play the play the clip from Andy Stanley saying about being unhitched. And what I want to do is go through every New Testament book and look through each book to see how much reference there is to the old testament how much would you have to unhinge right. here's the here's an interesting thing if you want to unhinge yourself from the old testament andy stanley you have to remove every new testament book except one because every new testament book has an allusion back or sorry every new testament book has an allusion back to the new to the old testament except for one can either of you guess which one that is? Are you going to say Philemon? Philemon, exactly. And he so won't like gonna, Philemon. I was going to just... like Philemon because it talks about slavery, which is why he wants to unhinge the Old Testament. <laughs> so I, I think I think that's kind of comical that the reason he wants to say we have to unhinge it is because of things like slavery, and yet the only New Testament book that doesn't have any mm. allusions to the Old Testament deals completely with the issue of slavery and sending a slave back to his master. Right, 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 right. What would he do with that? Yeah, well, he wouldn't do anything with it because he had already unhinged himself from the complete Bible. It's just about the resurrection. Mm -hmm. ah, wow. Now we're getting into now. Now we're kind of getting right into what you talked with Gabe Hughes about with culture, right? <laughs> Christianity and culture. Yeah, that was interesting. We just talked about uh, he does those short videos. They're usually ninety seconds long, and they'll hit a topic. I can't be as uh, uh, as as. Strong, precise 
as strong with the uh, the graphics and the uh, animations I think you brought up earlier. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? You know, it's it seems like it's going to be really hard to do those short videos like he does. But I'll tell you, I, at first when I started doing the short rap reports, the the daily editions, they were five minutes long, and I I thought there's no way I can get down to two minutes. Mm-hmm. And after doing it for a while, you start to figure out exactly how much information you can fit into two minutes and you, you learn it. But and Gabe has always been 90 seconds. He didn't start at five minutes well, and work down to it. You don't know it. that. You, you don't know how many times it took him to get well, down to 90 seconds. Yeah. He's made it clear that it, it's a challenge and, uh, well, it's, a radio, he's and a it's 90 guy, seconds so. too. It's not, it's not 87. It's not 93. He goes for 90 and he tries to hit it on the nose and it's, right. it's incredible how he can, it's got to be that radio background. It really has to be. Well, it's, you know, when I do my, when I do my rap report two minute, the daily, and I'm looking at the, the audio wave as I'm speaking. And I, I know where that end is. I see it. And it's just a matter of knowing right as I get there, how to end it. And as long as I know what I'm going to say, I have it there. There's time, the, the only times I really had some difficulties, and this is some of the stuff you were talking about with Gabe, was social justice issues. This is when the Statement on Social Justice came out. Mm-hmm. I actually did a two-minute for 14 day, 15 days. I went through and read every one of the uh, articles you know, on the Statement of Social Justice in the Gospel. I brought up mowing the lawn. I can actually, you know how, you ever listen to James White and he'll tell you like, oh, I was biking on a certain hill at a certain spot when I listened to this thing. And oh, I, yeah. uh-huh. yep. I, I can see where I was in my lawn <laughs> mowing because <laughs> I'm listening to you talk about social justice. <laughs> but, you know, some of them I had time to elaborate and toward the end of those longer ones, I mean, I had to retake them a couple times to try to fit them in two minutes. And if you listen to those, you hear, well, I'm from Jersey. We know how to talk fast, but pastoring at a Chinese church, I had people that had to translate into English. And so I had to learn to slow up, but I could talk fast and you'll hear that on some of those. I start speeding up the cadence to get, to get it in, in two minutes, but I made it. But uh, yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of issues with our culture though that I think all of us, and, you know, there's people close to, to Fred there, Grace, to you, no, man. who really have been affected by taking a stand on the social justice issues. And, and really, our stand is not that we're against justice, as so many people are trying to say. We're against changing the message of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Because the message of the gospel is the justice that's where you're going to get the justice that people are saying they seek. That's in well, the gospel. And it, it's funny you mention that because it seems like every generation has to figure that out for themselves, that people appreciate when you take a stand and you stand for scripture. Uh, how many denominations have gone liberal and then atrophied and, they're, and they just kind of go off into nowhere? Because they don't take a stand. People stop coming. They don't, there's no tie. There's nothing to keep them there. People move on and they go find a, a gospel preaching, solid church that takes a stand. And we're seeing that on the in some of these evangelical churches now, where people are just getting so squishy, and um, they might see a surge in attendance for a while, but they're eventually going to atrophy and 
um, they're going to shrink up and, and go away. Yeah, I agree. Well, I think there wasn't there some sort of a survey or something that was released recently where they were bemoaned. Well, they were, you know, oh, the church, the Christianity in America is and churches are closing kind of thing. But when you actually went and read the data and saw the churches they were talking about, and a lot of them were these liberal churches that nobody really attends anymore because it's what's the point if you don't believe in jesus or if you don't believe the bible's true or if you you know all of these things that define christianity you reject what's the point in going to church i, I can sleep in on sunday morning mm-hmm. you know, i got other things i can do you well know, the church can, just becomes a social club yeah so why why go to one that you know is is being looked down upon by our culture uh, and it is becoming the pariah of our culture. Why not go to, if you're, if it's just a social club, you can go to the Kiwanis club or yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. I mean, when you can have a, a denomination that's filled with, with pastors who will say that they won't even say that they're Christian, they'll say they're atheists, but they're still a pastor of a, you know, a Presbyterian church or an Episcopal yeah, no. church or whatever, or Lutheran church. Is that a church? I mean, I think even unbelievers can see that it's not. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, you can watch the Hallmark channel if you just want feel good stories. Right. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Which are kind of lame stories <laughs> about it and get to go to oh, the Come on, Fred. We know you watch them all the time. You, you, your wife and kids are all asleep and you're sitting out there ooh, oh, looking at the Hallmark. <laughs> you, you, pretend, you tell us that it's really Star Trek and Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. But it's, but it's really Hallmark. It's about some, you know, widow woman who, you know, about the Louvre farm and gunslinger he comes in and trying to get, I don't even know what he's referring to. <laughs> I'm just making it up off my top of my head. <laughs> I used to have a friend that worked with me and, and, um, Wait, 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 wait. Stop. Stop. <laughs> I know. A friend of mine. And we would look at all the that people would bring in the the Amish romance novels and leave on the giveaway table, <laughs> which I'm thinking, why are people reading Amish? And I said, you know, Brett, I will look at that cover. I can tell you the story about what this book is about. You know, this woman, she's like in trouble with her parents. And this guy back here in the background, you know, is probably the guy that she loves, but He's not, you know, completely Amish and, you know, she's got this conflict. He's Mennonite. And, yeah, he's Mennonite. He's not Amish. And, you know, there's been a house fire. There's probably somebody got hurt or something, you know. And He secretly <laughs> stops by in his pickup truck. Yeah, he always yeah, after he drives dark, a truck. After dark, he turns the headlights off. You know, that's why she's in this field is because she's isolated, you know, because from her family, which is you guys have watched too many of these things. <laughs> I'm just making it up as I go. I don't know. I, mean, I know. It's like, yeah, sure you are. Sure you are. No, well, there are some listener out there that's saying, Oh, I know exactly the name of that movie. You know? Yes. The red hot Amish romance novels, you know, anyhow, who thought Amish women look so pretty too. That's another thing I always find. They're always blonde and they look like, they belong on some on on Fox News reporting the news or something. It's hysterical. <laughs> anyway, okay. So about foster care and adoption. 
You're going to make sure we you know, actually hit every really episode, aren't you? Hey, I did, I did my homework. I want to make sure we're... <laughs> you did. You, I, you're a good point. Let's make sure that <laughs> you listen to which, all of them. Which, which, actually, on that episode, I learned some things about Jason. I, I know Jason, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not real well, but I, I did not know... Yeah, I mean, I knew he, he did have some kids that he, you know, that he fostered and all, but didn't know all the background that he provided in that. And it was, that was kind of a, a very illuminating episode on something I really didn't know much about and mm-hmm. the issues of adoption. And I mean, it, there's, there's a, a you know, uh, if you guys know Andy Luansky from uh, Track Planet, he also used to be a foster parent and, and he did an episode where he was talking about that. It was just very eye opening to someone like me who doesn't do that. And the ability they have to share the gospel and, and give some structure to those kids was, you know, really was good. And I guess really, if, if we're going to connect it with your previous episode, you know, Christianity and the culture where the culture is turning against Christianity, you see that in the area of adoption and foster parents, because Christians are very quickly not being allowed to be foster parents or adopt Mm -hmm. because they, they won't tell a child that you're, if you think you're a different gender than you were born, they won't say, yeah, that that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it really does it, fostering for Christians or, or adopting for Christians is really starting to become a difficult thing. I think in our culture. Yeah. I really I like that, that too. So that I did appreciate that. Um, you know, cause I know people who are always interested in that. And so it gave me kind of a resource. Hey, you may want to listen to this guy tell his testimony about doing this. Cause I've have, I hear people talking about, Oh, you ought to do this. Like it's some kind of easy thing to do. And it's like, <laughs> eh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of struggles. You're going to have to be prepared to wrestle through, you know, you're going to do that. But Jason does a great job of, he doesn't hide those struggles at all. I mean, he tells right. you they're going to be there, but he also, he also shares that there it's, there's a reward that makes it all worthwhile. Right. Right. I, he talked about, um, there's a, a phenomenon called making up for lost time where <laughs> if you got a little bit older kid who was neglected or abused, um, earlier in life, didn't get some of those, typical things that kids get when they're growing up, like, like bedtime stories or, or, um, you know, bath time or whatnot, you know, you'll find like a 12 or 14 year old kid who wants to do what, what two and three and four year old kids do because he never got it as a kid when he was that age. And, and, and that's kind of both a struggle and he also says it ends up being a, something to bond over. So it ends up being a reward in the end too. And seeing kids come out and and seeing their lives straighten out and head in a in a much better direction and seeing how God blesses these kids through what you're able to provide them. Well, not just a better life, but really salvation. I mean, to get Absolutely. to share the gospel, um, which really brings up you know the, your the last episode you had, which is how salvation works. That's mm-hmm. um, Get Alan and and this book here, yeah, which that is, book here, yeah. Um, you know, from death to life, and and I I have to admit it was cheating uh, for <laughs> me because I'm going to be interviewing Alan when I get done reading the book, and uh, which I hope to do in in uh, December. But 
you know, it, it was. Or you could just listen really, to my interview. You, you, <laughs> I could. But I like to prepare, um, as you could tell. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it it really it the issue of salvation becomes the most important doctrine that we want to focus on because look, you, you can get every other doctrine, right? Mm -hmm. You get salvation wrong and you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter that you have the Trinity. I mean, the Catholic church has the Trinity, right? And still sends people to hell Mm because they have salvation wrong. Right. Yep. And I, and I think one of the things that you brought up with him on that episode was the distinction between sanctification and justification because there there is that difference and it seems that so many mix those two up and that's where you get into people that say you can lose your salvation almost every person you talk to thinks you can lose your salvation you look at it and they're mixing up justification and sanctification mm-hmm. yeah that's exactly right well the they kind of make people... sanctification uh, i was just gonna say they make sanctification somehow before justification some way I'm doing these things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll definitely be saved. And like, no, no, you got that backwards. You're sanctified mm-hmm. because you're saved. Your mm-hmm. life has changed. That's the issue. The other thing people mess up is that they, you, you, you can fall into uh, basically legalism where you're, you, you understand that your salvation came through Christ, but then you think that you're sanctified through Moses. You think that, Oh, now I got to go follow all these Old Testament rules and make sure that I do everything exactly right and I don't upset God or I'm not going to be sanctified. But even Galatians right. says that who of you beginning it by the faith or by the by the spirit continue on in the flesh. You know? And so it's important to realize that we we continue the same way we started. We continue through faith because we started by faith. Yeah, and that's the thing that confuses me with people that think you can lose your salvation because they start by faith, they lose it by works, and then they gain it back not by faith, but by works. Yes. And and they'll talk about now some some will say you maintain your salvation by works, and once you lose it, you're done. Okay. At least that's going to be consistent if they're going to interpret Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10, because those two passages mm-hmm. that so many people use to say you can lose your salvation clearly say it's impossible. Once you lose to it, it you don't get it back. Yep. Yeah. So if you're going to say you can lose your salvation, it's a one shot deal, um, which becomes a problem because in those passages in Hebrews, it, it talks about, you know, a, a, a sin, you know, a, you know, conscious sin and they'll, they'll what they try to do is say well I, I didn't willfully sin and that's their excuse well it wasn't willful so it was an unwillful sin therefore i don't lose my salvation except um every sin is willful right i mean mm-hmm. yes. you hacked it out um but the reality is they it's that's just justification for that and and really what it is is you know you you have to have a proper understanding of what salvation is, what we're saved from. And when you have that right, things fall in place. And really to get that right, you have to, and whenever you talk about theology, and I probably talked about this on my episode with you, it always has to go back to the attributes of God. Mm -hmm. If you have the attributes of God right, you're going to get theology right. Mm 
But you're going to often see these people, oh, well, God looked down the tunnels of time, <laughs> saw who was going to be saved, and I chose them. That's how election works. Yep. Okay. I had so that discussion God, yesterday. Yeah. So what, what, what do they do when they do that? Well, you're making God, he's no longer omniscient. He had to observe to mm-hmm. know something. Second, he's bound by time. He's not eternal. So you just corrupted two of his attributes. Therefore, that's not the God of the Bible. And that doctrine's wrong. Mm-hmm. I remember you sharing, um, going back to, to your episode, sharing in... Um, no, I skipped over that one. I know you, you did. But <laughs> when you are explaining to an Arminian the doctrines of grace how you walk them through the the five points of Calvinism, basically, but you don't make it obvious that you're doing that. I don't use the points. Yeah. I don't, I don't. Well, you reword them in such that. uh, No, I just give the definitions. Well, sure. There you go. I did this. Look, there there is a very well-known evangelist. I don't know, Fred, should I mention his name? You you know who this is, I'm sure. Who hates Calvinism (laughs) uh, is, is one of the most. A lot of those individuals. (laughs) Well, Okay. So, so I'll name names and we'll, we'll let Andy decide if he'll edit it out. But I, I had a conversation with Mark Cahill. <laughs> he that. But, you know, I sat there with Mark and went through every one of the five points and gave the definitions. And when I was done, I said, Mark, you are a five point Calvinist. No, I don't believe in. And then he gave his false definitions of Calvinism. And the reality is, is what he believes fits within Calvinism, but what he thinks Calvinism is, is a false definition. And that's why, well, I disagree with his false definition of Calvinism. Mm-hmm. His definition of Calvinism, I don't agree with, which is why when people ask me, I say I'm not a Calvinist because I don't know what they mean by that term. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was in this discussion, I said I was in this discussion yesterday. Um, my brother is a plumber and I need a little plumbing work done. So he came over and helped me out. And um, he... Uh, he he's adamant that he's he's not a Calvinist or an Arminian. He's in between, right? He thinks they're both true. Well, that is by definition Arminian, <laughs> especially yeah, no. if, if you start walking them through the points, you know, they'll say, well, you know, that's, that's what I, I believe. So I thought what I really need to do is print him out the five points of the remonstrance and the canons of the sin and the dort and say, which one of these two do you believe in? Which one do you agree with? Because I know he's going to look at it and say, well, I agree with the canons of the sin of the Dort. Well, that makes you a Calvinist. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, w- that would make you, you know, sort of an Arminian if you're, you know, following Jacob Arminius. But <laughs> Jacob Arminius' followers didn't follow him rightly. Well, when he but- says that he's in between, he immediately goes to what you're saying about looking down through the corridors of time and seeing who, who repents and has faith. And that's who God chooses, right? Well, that's one of the five points of Arminianism. One of the five points of the remonstrance. That's an actual point. That's not like a summary of a point. That's the point, (laughs) but they don't understand that. Well, because they haven't actually read those documents. Most of them. Well, that's why I say, and if, if I call them the five points of the remonstrance, and the canons of the Synod of Dort, he's not going to know what they are. He doesn't know enough church history to go back and say, that's Calvinism versus Arminianism. No, if you word it that way, he's probably going to think, because you're mentioning five points. He's, you're, you're, well, you're they're actually, both five points, though. 
Yeah, they are. But but if you if you call one the five points and the other, you just say the council of Dort. He's going <laughs> to immediately associate the five points with that's true the five points of Calvinism. So you're actually kind of pre you know <laughs> kind of tricking him yeah. his thinking. So that would that yeah poisoning the well. Yeah, just say points. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you know. Otherwise, you're you're poisoning the well there a little. Mm-hmm. Not really, but. <laughs> Well, guys, uh, I think that even with our unintentional break, we're we're uh, we're over an hour, so good time to we don't have to wrap up right this minute, but good good time to kind of head in that direction. Is there maybe a, a, something else that you guys have been working with? Maybe in your Bible study classes, any any theology that's come up that you think would be fruitful for the discussion before we close? Well, the the heresy of Butlerism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did mention that. I got a text message yeah. saying, <laughs> "What is that heresy? Explain that." I, I just I sent just Andrew a text message, and I said, "I said, did you send uh, Andrew? Could you shoot Fred a link to the Zoom meeting?" And I gave your email address, and he said, "No, he's a heretic." <laughs> there you go. Wait, isn't that the way we're supposed to? respond to people on online oh wait no that's not what captain america said on your oh yeah and so i was thinking we were going to play an old-fashioned todd friel game of explain yourself mister but there's no more time (laughs) (laughs) do you guys remember that do you remember that he used to do that or was that before your time what was that? The explain yourself, Mister bit that uh, Todd Friel used to he do. He does that every once in a while. Does he still do does that? That with Phil Johnson sometime when he does his. Well, it's not the too, too wretched, wretched for radio, radio stuff. It's not too wretched for radio. This goes back to, I think it it might have either been the way of the master radio days or even before that. You know, he started here in the Twin Cities. Yes, yes. he told uh, us all about it. And uh, his original show was called Talk the Walk. He was on the radio. So that was before he met time. Ray Comfort and was doing. Right. Well, he was doing, he was having Ray Comfort on once in a while on Talk the Walk doing these Witness Wednesday type things and, and whatnot. And then after they'd been on the radio, he had Ray on many times. Ray was kind of becoming a regular. Finally, I think Ray said, hey, why don't we like join forces and do, you could do a way of the master radio. So that's when that happened. And then he did that for a while and then started going towards wretched. Yeah. His, uh, he was at grace to you a couple of weeks ago and, and we had like a, we bought him Chick-fil-A and stuff. To <laughs> I thought he us. was a, what's the <clears throat> He's a Zaxby's guy, Zaxby's? but we don't have that in California. I've never even heard of Zaxby's. Zaxby's is like chicken strips. Yeah, it's Fred, kind of like, Fred- Fred took me yeah, there and was and then, bragging and, about it, bragging about it. I know, and hey, dude, everybody I was telling me, I like what I got. Andrew got some kind of weird thing. Was, oh, this is terrible. Yeah, like, we should have got the normal thing. <laughs> That's this weird thing. You all, took- right, all right, this year G3, I'll go do the normal thing with you, and we could see if it's really that good. Know, we can go to that We can go to that sushi place again and get the steak. Now, now we're talking. <laughs> um, at any rate, um. But yeah, his, uh, he was giving us a background, all of his, you know, story, his life story and broadcasting. It was very well done. I don't even know if anybody recorded that. 
because we did it in our room, you know, one of our rooms where they he had a microphone because we couldn't hear him. But his um, his story was really quite remarkable because he was originally like a stand up comedian. Yeah, yes. something like that, something weird like that. Yeah, yeah. and he would do uh, yeah, and so he kind of learned how to have this rapport with the audience and everything, and he just kind of button heads with the station managers and individuals <laughs> like that, and his whole encounters with. Uh, with Ray comfort and just them joining up. And eventually I think it was uh, insight for living in Atlanta, Georgia. That's Charles Stanley's group that gave him the yes. opportunity to come down to Georgia. Oh, okay. And, so that's what's got him down there. Huh? Yeah. So they gave, Hey, we can do like a, you know, a video thing, which he wanted to kind of do. And so he, you know, he started, he went down there, moved down there. And I think eventually they split ways. It was, it was good, but it was, and so that's why he had like, I think a few a year or so ago. And then he have like kind of a moving into a new studio or something like that. Yeah. I think. Well, when they moved into the studios, they were in, uh, in um, Charlie Stanley's, mm-hmm. the, the ministry of his studios yep. in Atlanta. That's where, where they were doing it when he left where the master and, they, they they went out on their own as wretched, um, and that's when they got those studios where they're at now. And I, I mean, there there were a lot of reasons. I think, um, you know, some of them just the way that the the studios operated were were very different. And Todd wanted to be able to mm-hmm. think, just do do things the way he thought. You know, it could be done. His uh, story is kind of interesting. I, you know, it would be, he would be a great interview just to have him kind of give his testimony about how he started doing what he started doing. Cause he spent about 30 or 40 minutes just kind of reviewing all that and all of his stand up gigs and <laughs> all of the places. Well, he'd, he'd go, go on with Andrew, but I, I don't think I've, I've asked. When I've talked to him before, he says he'll come on with me. I can't get out for you. He's one of the, he's my, I, I have, he's my I white whale. Yeah, I had him on. Dude, he would talk about him he would do it, you know. Yeah, he's he's a he's really good. He's the one thing with him. You got to be. He's really really quick witted. Yeah, and is. if you're not ready for that, <laughs> it's just like you don't know where the conversation is going to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, guys, um, thanks so much for doing this. I think this was a fun format, and um, yeah. well, I have to do it again. Yeah, we should. And, you know, the the thing we have to mention, I mean, it, it wouldn't be right for me to be on here and not bust on a little bit here, Andy. Um, we should mention, because the last time I was on here, we talked about the the hashtag Just and I Win campaign. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Is is that so, battle still going or did you actually finally win? We've upped the ante. Let me help you out with this. You can go to Justin I Win. Dot com. Com. That's right. There's actually a domain with a website <laughs> that gives you the history uh, and you actually get to see the look on Justin's face as he discovers <laughs> live. We recorded like when we revealed to him that we had a domain, justinwin.com. <laughs> no, but you, you actually put something there? Huh? Oh, did you put somewhere there? Is it or is it an old oh, yeah, fashioned got, domain stuff, smack? Do you know what a domain smack is? We have, we have a video that explains the history. Okay. We got some pictures of me winning against Justin. And then you got to scroll a little more to see where Justin, well, 
I choke him out at Shepherd's Conference and just suffice it to say he choked me back. And uh, there's some pictures of him choking me out. And uh, and then there's a link where you can donate donate to Justin Peters. Oh, just you know what? In the comments, hashtag Justin, I win. I, I saw on Twitter, uh, I think it was earlier today, he had a rock that he picked up at in the valley where David picked up a rock to slay Goliath. You better watch out because that man's coming for you. <laughs> no, I thought yeah, maybe well, you did a, a domain smack. Are you familiar with a domain smack? It goes about 10 years back, maybe longer. A domain no, smack is no. when you buy a domain as kind of a jab against somebody and then you forward it to their site. So, you know, Justin, Justin, I win.com. You could send to Justin's domain. It does. Well, is, it does. It goes to his donate page. Well, but it would go directly, not through your site. You know, you wouldn't get the story. It would just oh, go okay. directly to his donate page. Yeah. That's why Here, I wondered if it was a, a smack. No, we're we're giving the story. It was actually a very clever marketing tool by one of the domain registrars about ten years ago, as they were sponsoring podcasts and 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 YouTube type shows, and getting people to to do this because they'd sell domains that way, because people would think, oh, look at this funny smack I came up with, and I paid fifteen dollars for it. It was mm. it was clever marketing, is really what it was. Mm. Yeah, well, you will you will enjoy going there, and uh, you know, there's a little video there, and there's a link to to donate to him. You'll you'll appreciate that, I'm sure. So we can get live status updates on the Justin and I win battle too. Well, the, the you know, so basically, here's the battle. Uh, I've I won a Shepherd's Conference last year. He <laughs> won. He won when I was in Kootenai Community Church. That's his church, uh, and so mm-hmm. it's it's tied. So, so we, tied, we need okay. a tiebreaker. How did the uh, Israel trip come out? You were sending people on his Israel trip, weren't you? No, I, I, I wasn't doing that. Uh, but we may. There is a chance that he and I may both be doing an Israel trip. We may do it in two years. We're talking about it, about doing a trip to Israel. Oh, so you we and I were talking. Yeah, you were. Yeah. You were talking to me about it. Are you uh, kind of moving past that and found a better deal? No, <laughs> I, I. So, so the deal was is that I was at my daughter's wedding, like like just enjoying the wedding uh-huh. and instead the entire board of directors other than me was at the table and they decided they were having a meeting. So when I'm like <laughs> making my way around to every table, I get to to their table and they're like, uh, we had a board meeting. We've decided uh striving fraternity is going to Israel in two years. And I'm like, Oh, we have, I'm like, <laughs> who's organizing that? And they just looked at me like, of course you. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so I can put you in touch with the right people. <laughs> <laughs> and and that was the episode. That was an episode we skipped in there too. Was my uh, my tour guide? Uh, yeah, you did. Aaron I Lomarco. noticed that because there were two times you spoke about Israel, and there, uh, the the other one that was missing from your list was um the one from Israel. So I didn't bring it up. Well, since I didn't. Yeah, because awesome. I I thought Aaron really just talked about life as a believer over there, and I, I don't know what what the three of us have to add to that discussion or mm-hmm. what we can, how we can pick well, up on one that. Of, one of us can, can identify with life as a Jewish. Uh, An Israeli, <laughs> Israeli Jew. No, you actually, you two do have some similar stories going back though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I, I did have the, the family who wanted to, you know, we, we had some rough times there for a while as far as communication. And mm-hmm. I mean, he had his family stop 
talking to him for a while. But oh, uh, his dad took out a an obituary for him. Yeah, well, my my parents went casket shopping when they found out. Before I knew they found out, they went casket. My dad sat me down and said, we went casket shopping. And here's why we didn't buy the casket. You were going to be dead to us. And and there was something that happened in the family. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, and I expected it actually. I, that was the reaction I expected they would do. I hate to break up this little smooth fest here, but <laughs> my wife is coming in and she'll need the computer to do Well, some... I've been doing, I, I'm the Minnesotan and I'm doing the Minnesota goodbye. So oh, we okay. can, we can wrap I'd it up. I'd love to stay and chat some more. I just, I have to go. So. <laughs> well, my wife's going to be bugging me any minute now. Are you still going? So, well, thank I you guys. I always enjoy seeing you, Andy. What, so. Why don't we shoot this? Uh, it was a good time of year. You, we you could... notice how he did that? I always enjoy seeing you, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> You're both of you. Yeah, Andrew. Well, Andy. you did call him a heretic. Yeah. <laughs> I like seeing Andrew as well. I don't see him very often in person because he's across the united states but hey once a year i come to your place for breakfast so i know you do well make it a road trip you can stop by here i'm kind of on the way i got a bedroom now this place right here got me out of another room over there so i have a bedroom now (laughs) well hey andy thanks thanks for having us on it was it really is a privilege to be on your your show and be able to just uh to talk, especially with guys like Fred Butler, is you know it's it's a it's a privilege. It's, a privilege. Uh, it's just, thank you. You know, <laughs> you know, you get Fred Butler here, and you and I look stupid. It's just he's up here, we're down so here. You know. Well, I make no bones about the fact that I'm not the expert. That's why I get guests. <laughs> and you have good guests. <laughs> I will have to tweet out this episode. Yeah. Tell everybody to listen to Echo Zoe. It's only a once a month podcast too, so it yeah, doesn't overwhelm your time. And yep. you can binge a whole year's worth in one day. Yeah, you could. I did. What <laughs> he did. All, All right, right, I gotta go. Yeah, thank you, Brad. Echo Zoe Radio is an outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries. If you are blessed by the show, please consider offering your support. There are many things you can do to help, including prayer, sharing the show with others, and your financial support. Echo Zoe Ministries is a registered nonprofit organization with 501c3 tax-exempt status, and your donations are tax-deductible. For more information about how you can support Echo Zoe Ministries, please visit echozoe.com support. Well, that wraps up episode 128. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. For show notes, visit echozoe.com 128. Be sure to check out the website also for links to connect to Echo Zoe on social media. We're on Twitter, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube and love to connect with you. So follow, like, and subscribe to Echo Zoe Ministries. You can also help us uh, get the word out by sharing and retweeting announcements for future episodes. And Lord willing, we'll be back next month for the January episode of Echo Zoe Radio. 